0: You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Man, it is great uh, to be with you uh, here today. Hard to believe, is it not? I guess we're down to nine weeks, maybe Christmas, something like that, maybe less. It's hard to believe that this uh, this year is... Nearly two months until close. Last week, I um, shared with you some heavenly perspectives for earthly issues. I really think that what we're going to talk about today falls under that heading still in a way because This whole book is heavenly perspectives on earthly issues. Um, But I want to talk to you today about the Christ life life. The Christ life. That is like how to like living the life of Christ here on this earth. You and I, if you are a Christian, we are disciples. There's some words that have gotten, uh, I think, the best way to say it is perverted. I think the word evangelical, uh, at its core, is not a bad word, not a bad term, but I think it's been perverted. I think Christian is a word that when you say it, there is a stigma, there's something that's attached to it that's not what it should be, you know, that there's this uh, cloud looming over the the fact that you say you know hey I'm a Christian and and no and you know people in their minds a lot of times will go yeah I I know some of those people I know some of those Christians used to go to church with some of them <clears throat> but disciple you know you can say that you're a Christian not be a disciple Being a disciple is, oh, that word seems to cause more proof in the pudding, cause to be the need for more proof in the pudding. It means you're a follower, a learner, a uh, one that is following after a teacher, a master, that we are a s- students, that we are disciples, we are those that, uh, as a matter of fact, he says in the Bible that, They will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So to to be a disciple, it's not that Christian is not something we should want to live up to, to be Christ-like, but for us internally, I think disciple is a challenge. It's it's a challenge we need in our lives. It's, It's a biblical challenge. So I want to talk to you a little bit about some things disciples need to be encouraged to do. And I'm going to do that through verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. You can follow along with me uh, there if you have your Bibles with you. Colossians chapter 3. Like I said, I'll read verses 1 through 9. Talking about the Christ life. We're going to talk about the old nature And the new nature. And so in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 1, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In verse 7, in which you, once, you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And finally verse nine do not be do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and so we we notice in the text that there is this idea not only are there two different places there is there's heaven and there is earth and they are starkly different we talked about that last week there's nothing in heaven that's wrong and the only thing on earth that's right is well, we can't have anything right on earth without heaven. But then there's two different... I do don't I almost said us's. <laughs> there's two different men, two different women. There's the old man and the new man. And there's a death that is going to happen and a death that can happen. And so when we look at it, I want you to first take on the idea that disciples must let the old man go. He says that we're to seek the things above, not the things of the earth. Or we're to set our minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth. And he says there, for you died. So if, he's saying that in Christ Jesus, he's speaking to believers. So if you are a believer today, the reality is that you died. Now, we know that. And and the old nature is what he's talking about. Now, our flesh, our body, we're going to deal with this body until we physically die. The Bible says the appointed unto man wants to die. Then after that, the judgment. The appointed unto man wants to die is dealing with the physical man, this fleshly body that we live in. We'll talk a little more in a minute about that. But then there's that second death. There's that spiritual death. That that everybody has to pay, not, uh, that they have to pay the penalty for. There there is no escaping that. So I want to, before I run too far, I want to throw a few scriptures out to you. In John chapter twelve twenty four. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Galatians six fourteen. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The, he gives that idea of the, the crucified life, the life in Christ, the, the death of the old man, the living of the new man, that, that his old man is dead because it desires earthly things. Luke 4, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life he cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 38, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy to come after me. And when when you think of this idea of letting things go, my my mind as a pastor goes to the bedside of people that are fixing to levi of this world. They're, they're at the that deathbed experience on more than one occasion I have heard a phrase, and, and I tend to pick up on things. If I hear something once, it really does not stick. But then if I hear things repeated, it's like this is a trend that people actually must believe. that they. So I, I, I mark those down, and naturally I compare them to Scripture. And I've heard these words a lot by the bedside of people that are fixing to pass away. Maybe grandma, maybe mom, maybe... Maybe uh, dad or papa or whoever. Most of the time when it is somebody that is older. The family's gathered around and somebody may say these words. You need to let them go. You know, they're they're just holding on for you. You need to let them go. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly with those words, but I'm kind of sarcastic when it comes to times like that or things like that sometimes and so i think if i was by my mom's side and if she was on at the end of life or my dad or you know somebody like that and somebody said honey you just need to let them go my natural inclination as the christian that i am would be to turn and say i never had them to begin with belong to him but that sentiment that that we are to Prepare ourselves to separate from them. You with me? I think it has uh, an idea there that we could look at and maybe help understand the fact that we need to let the old man go. We need to prepare ourselves that every day of our lives we are to let that man be crucified. Let that man die to this world. Disciples must let the old man go with his passion for pleasure. Do you you realize that we do have, in our flesh, we do struggle with a passion for pleasure? Yesterday I went to Cleveland Mall. Not something I do a lot to start with, but I went by myself, and that is even more rare. I had a particular purchase I needed to make, um, and... Needed get, I went by myself. And so while I was there, it's really cool because you got Chick fil A, you got Subway, and you got Chinese. And we can just take care of the whole household and no groveling, no this at all. It's, it's easy. So I, I pick up supper, make my stop at all the places. On my way out the door, I've got my bags. I look like the quintessential mall person, right? Both hands full. I didn't tell Christy this, but uh, I ain't told nobody this until Lord knows. But my last stop was at Subway. It was I parked at that door because I wanted to make sure my wife's sub was as fresh as possible. And uh, they have a ice cream thing there, the, the, where you dip some. Ice. And if I remember right, it's Breyer's ice cream, which is one of my favorites. Um, and so I looked up there on the thing, and I said, "That's less than two dollars for." a. Scoop of ice cream in a cup. I can afford that. So I said, How about give me a scoop? So I not only had all those bags, pure up on top of all those bags was my ice cream with a spoon. I'd stopped and unsheathed my spoon and stuck it in there. And I'm walking out the door, and I don't know about y'all, but I might. I, I'm becoming more mindful of things. I don't think I'm a germaphobe, but yet I go out the end door in places like that a lot of times because I figure the backside of that door is touched less. You know, like go in on the right, exit on the left, I, and I'll either take my foot or I'll take my hand and I'll reach up real high because I figure everybody else is touching right in here. So I get out the door, and there's a group of people coming in from the parking lot. My mind automatically stereotypes them. Then I hear their language and the conversation that they got going on. And so I readjust all my bags and my ice cream to where I can free this hand up. And I'll leave that alone. I can free this, this hand up. And the things, that, that, there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself, but then there are other thoughts that went through my mind. And I had to crucify those thoughts. Those thoughts were not godly thoughts. So we all struggle with those things, right? Whether you admit them or not, the Bible says we've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Our flesh, passions and pleasures. Listen to a couple verses. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, I think I caught mine in there in that list, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He said, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that really sums up a lot of what we're, gonna talk, we're talking about today. 1 John two sixteen, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. That you and I must let the old man go with his passions and his pleasures. That we don't live to those, we don't act to those. And we also must let the old man go with his penalty being paid. And I think this is sometimes a struggle for us as Christians. That if you are in Christ Jesus, that if you are saved, and this is only for those that are saved, but if you are saved, the penalty is paid. But so often we live our lives as if we need to repay more. Christ paid the down payment, I'll pay the rest of the payments and we'll get this sucker paid off that's how we live sometimes but as far as our salvation goes our the penalty is paid you see there is a penalty that has to be paid as a matter of fact we as i said there's there's really kind of two in a way because that by one man sinned into the world and death by sin that's appointed unto man wants to die after that the judgment that our bodies are going to die this body must this this incorruptible must put on this corruptible must put on incorruption this mortal must put on immortality so even if we go by way of the rapture this has to be done away with whether it be by the grave however it may be this this flesh your flesh your natural man your natural woman it's going to be done away with it it, it is guaranteed but something else that's guaranteed too is a judgment there is a penalty that has been placed upon us for our sin debt. And there's not going to be any reprieve, any forgiveness, any, any of that stuff outside of Christ. <clears throat> that, that, that you and I, it, it must be paid. Judgment will be satisfied. The law will be satisfied. And for us as Christians, it's satisfied in Christ. Listen to what he says there in verse 3, Colossians 3. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. When we uh, come into a union with Jesus Christ, there's some things I want us to understand about that union. So I'm going to take you on a little, little trip through the Bible, on a couple of verses. Romans 3, 23 does say, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's a given. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm never, I have a hard time sometimes thinking about myself as being righteous. And I know the only righteousness that I, that I have is in Christ Jesus, but nevertheless, and I think the times that I struggle the most with it is when I am living more to the old man than I am to the new man. Romans 5. 18 through 19 he said therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous there again our unrighteousness is in the fall of man and in our sin nature the righteousness that's brought to us is brought to us by Christ in Christ through his works on Calvary where he paid the debt for us where he paid what had to be paid our bodies it's just going i hate to put it this way we're just going to live till they die our flesh but it will happen. It's coming. But while we're here living in this flesh, there is a life in us. There's an old man, yes, that will perish. There is the new man. And that new man now, well, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, "'Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, the new has come.'" And Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> so we died, right? And, and our bodies died daily to our sinful pleasures. But in Christ, that union... That death there, in that union, we are declared righteous. That, that, that the penalty is paid. So you and I live in our lives now. We're not living our lives trying to earn our salvation. And <clears throat> this is something that I believe is so important to me that we get as Christians. <clears throat> because so many times people, even well-meaning Christians feel as if they have got to earn some kind of justification before God as if God will not let me in. God will not let me be His child. God will not let me be a part of the family. God's not going to let me live in heaven forever and ever with Him unless I finish paying this debt, unless I get it right. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches this, that the only way you ever come to God to begin with is is if the Father draws you. And that Christ has all of the ones that the Father has drawn to Him. And He says, and I will have in no way lost any. I'll bring them all with me at your appearing. That, that, that He has us. We don't have Him. When Hannah was much smaller, I did an illustration one time when the church was facing the other direction. And I asked her to come up, and off of the same level, I, I got a hold of her and asked her to get a hold of me by the, by the arm, and I just lifted her up. And I asked the church, I, asked, I said, does she have me or do I have her? And I said, "Just honey, just let go. Because not, she didn't have the ability to maintain holding herself. But I could have held her and held her and held her and held her. That is a pitiful illustration of the fact that God's power, God's strength over the grave, over death, over the penalty is never going to get weak. Never going to. He's never going to get tired. He's never going to need a break from your salvation. It's not because it's satisfied jesus cried out from the cross he said it is finished it's done it's the account is settled if you are in christ jesus here's where things get interesting i I hate to use this illustration because uh, but it's one that we all have heard probably you know the monster that you feed is the one that will thrive (laughs) To some degree, I, I mean, I guess that's that's cool, but I want to let me take us into scripture. But and on our way there, I want you to hear a couple of things. We cannot seek nourishment from the world for a soul that cannot tolerate digesting it. How many of y'all have ever heard of lactose intolerant? Some of you in here may be what they call lactose intolerant. I've had people tell me that the body was not made to digest milk. But I'm like, but God designed me to start my life on milk. There are people in third world countries that drink goat milk, goat's milk, cow milk, yak milk, all kind of milk. Could it be that it's it's the stuff in the milk that's been put in the milk that might be what's causing the problem? Because I look back, man, I... My grandmama drunk milk. She also churned butter too. (laughs) But there's this intolerance that that the that the real man, the real the us, our, our bodies could we might could digest real milk. But maybe we can't digest it with the, all the other things added to it. But in a spiritual sense, if you'll just follow along with me for a moment, that my, my new nature, my, the God-man in me, is not made to digest sin. It's not made to, I can't get any nourishment out of sin. Not in this new man. The only one that's going to get nourishment is the old man. And A.W. Tozer says, those who seek the deeper life and those who, s- who want the riches that are in Christ Jesus seek no place, no wealth, no thing, only Christ. Only Christ. And so maybe, just maybe, the idea that the Bible is trying to get across to us is, is actually true, <clears throat> that you and I can't live, we can't thrive Unless we get the nourishment that the new man needs, and the new man needs righteousness, the disciples must not only let the old man go; we must let the new man thrive. We need to let the new man th- thrive, and 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 please bear with my analogy. But Christians in Christ, in the in the sense of the spiritual realm, we ought to walk around ten foot tall and bulletproof. We, we ought to we ought to be why? Because what is going to happen regardless, out of everything that we know is this body is going to decay. This body will die. That's why the Bible tells us that we are not to fear him who can only take this mortal life. We are to fear him and can take our souls, cast them off away from him in eternal punishment. But see, we walk around, I think so often, fearful of losing, our mortal lives and this world. Because we tend to, even as Christians, we can tend to be too clingy to the things of this world. We want freedom from things. We're constantly searching. We want to be free. We want to be free from debt. Everybody wants a house that's paid for. That's a that's one of those things. You'll be, you'll have it made, right? And I know I've repeated these things over the years so much, but honestly, it's really not complicated when you think about it. Is that not a goal? that we, you, you're gonna, you will have achieved this peace when you have a house that's paid for. Is that not? Come on. Is that, honestly, that's, that's, a, that's a goal. We need good health insurance because these bodies are decaying. We've got to be able to take care of them. Right? We've, we need to be able to go to the repair shop and get things fixed because these bodies are decaying. We want a good retirement because we've been told we need to work 70 years, well, we need to live and work 70 years to prepare so that we can be at peace for about 10 or 15. We'll let that one sink in for a moment. But that's what we've been told. I don't even know if 70 is going to make it for my generation. I'm just waiting. There, there may not be one, but I won't get into that because y'all will call me going political. But, but, but I, I'm <laughs> we've been told these things. Freedom. We want to be free so that we can say whatever we want to say, right? We want to be free so that we can do whatever we want to do. When the whole truth of the matter is that all of the things that we are talking about in that identity and even our flesh, it's going to go away. And it's going to go away in a short time. I hate to break this to you, but eternity is a lot longer than now. Just by by a little bit. As a matter of fact, eternity, from what my understanding, it never ends. And so we're in a timeline here on this earth that we're, we're dealing with, but in God's mind, he does not deal with the timeline. He's an eternal being. You and I actually are eternal beings. We will live forever somewhere away from God, separated in a place of judgment and torment, or we will be there with God in a place of his protection, his provision, his grace, his and, and we will be free from this body because he's going to give us a new body. But until then, we must let the new man thrive with his identity immersed in Christ, his immersed identity. you and I are to be immersed in Christ Jesus, washed in the blood, you know, let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story, be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you, that that, that we are to be hidden in Christ. That's what our verse says. For you died and your life, this new life now is hidden in Christ. Our old man, the sin penalty, is paid for in the death of Christ. Now, as Christ is raised, you and I are raised also to newness of life, and you and I now live, or at least we should live, to the new man, Feeding his appetite with the word of God and we should live ten feet tall and bulletproof. Not worrying about trying to achieve the freedoms of this natural world but seeking those which are to come. That you and I are to live thriving, hidden in Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. First Corinthians 6, 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Did you hear that? That, that union that you and I have in Christ Jesus is a union where we are united with Christ Jesus. We are made one with him. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are co-laborers with him. We, we, when other people look at us, the idea is that they see nothing but Christ. They don't see us. But so often we want to hold on to our identity because it feeds that flesh. But then there's this problem. We get an upset stomach because we get some stuff that we're eating, we're taking in, and it just turns our spiritual stomach upside down because we're not made to digest that. And I, I call that Conviction. That, that, that's just not who we are, but we are to be not seeking the things of this world, but seek the things that are above, setting our mind on the things uh, above and not on the things of the earth, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. 2 Peter 1, 2-4, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, and of jesus our lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue And i want you to hear that again the two places that i read in there speak of knowledge grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, godliness, and this is how we get it through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Before I finish reading these verses, you, you are not going to get it if you do not seek for it. You will remain a spiritual infant. You will stay in the Christian nursery the rest of your life, sucking on a bottle, playing with rattles, and achieving nothing for His glory. And there's a place for that. There is a place for us to be in that nursery so that we might grow in those formative years. But we are to transfer over to eating meat, drinking the pure milk of the Word, that we are to grow thereby the the knowledge that we gain about our spiritual life. He's given it to us, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Listen, did you hear that? Be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, that you and I are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, that you and I are overcomers, not underachievers i don't care what the world thinks the world can call you whatever it wants to because see the world does not understand it the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing but to us that are being saved it is the gift of god so so the world's not going to understand it but your responsibility and my responsibility is not to worry about that not to try to befriend the world in that sense you and I are the gospel. And that does not mean that you're hateful to the world. I mean, watch Jesus. If we are to be Jesus to the world, then guess what? Jesus got down on his knees and played in the sand with a prostitute. I mean, he touched the lepers. He 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 reached to the hurting in the world with love and compassion but never, ever, ever compromising the truth. But see, often I think the reason we want to play in to be so friendly with the world is because we want to be friends of the world. But the Bible says we can't be like that, but we must be in love with them. We we must love them. We We must desperately, why? So that they can be rescued. They have to... Why? Because you and I have been rescued. And that's what God wants is for us to go rescue the perishing. Anointed us to preach the gospel. To who? The hurting. And I don't know anybody that's more... I'll put it to you this way. I don't know anybody that was more hurting and didn't know it than me when Christ found me. I don't know anybody that was more blind. I don't know anybody that was more depraved but didn't know it. You and I have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but so many people can't see the power of the gospel. Maybe there's a reason people love stained glasses because they live so much like hell they don't want the world to see them. Disciples must let the new man thrive. Immersed in our identity in Christ, that Christ is seen and not us. And we also must let the new man thrive with his imperishable inheritance. All of this idea that you and I are to make our homes here. And don't get me wrong, I... I get it. I mean, Lord, Christy and I are fixing to recapture our home. We've let a lot of things go to raise children and to do life. And before the grandkids destroy it, the rest of the way, (laughs) this used to be one of my favorites, saw your... He would scream, oh, no, before something happened. Oh, no. That meant a Mack truck was fixing to run through the wall. So, yeah, we're we're going to try to preserve the house that we have to be able to live in it a little longer. But that is not our home. Our hearts are set on a different country, a different place. That the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ, through the work that He did on the cross, prepared a place for me, for us, in the Father's house. He says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 1 Peter 1 4 says, Paul says to, I mean, Peter says to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That we are not to lay up for ourselves treasures here on this earth where moth and rust can destroy, thieves can break in and steal, but we are to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust can destroy nor thieves break in and steal. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely, those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. uh, John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen to that verse. If you've ever struggled with whether salvation is forever, listen to that verse. He says, I give them eternal life. You know, He's talking about us. Who gave us eternal life? Come on, church, I'm going to stick in for this one. Who gave us eternal life? God did, yes. Who gave us eternal life? God did. You did not. Who gave us eternal life? God did. And he says, and they shall never perish. Never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I told you earlier, God's grip does not lose It's strength. Because it's not like we picture the ability of God holding on to us or God struggling to live a clean life. He's already done it. It's already in the history books. It's already marked down. It's already been uh, declared. It's already been done. It is finished. Christ has died. That's why in Hebrews it talks about the fact that those the blood of bulls and of goats can never cleanse never satisfy the debt that's owed but that that christ once and for all our high priest entered into the holy of holies never to have to go in there again he has done once and for all what we could never do in all of our strength and through all of our time he's done it once and for all romans 8 31 through 39 says what then shall we say to these things If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sakes? Talking about for his sakes, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor rulers nor height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing on this earth that can separate a disciple of Jesus Christ And you, from the love of God, which is in Christ, and you and I must live like that. We live immersed in the life of Jesus Christ here on this earth. We also live as people who are free. You know, I mentioned that freedom earlier. Everybody on this planet that is not secure in Jesus Christ is seeking freedom that freedom just like i was they didn't know where to look you and i have to point the way you and i have to be there and what they do with it that's god's business but i'm telling you right now if i can leave you with any encouragement some days i do feel like the choices are few just as she sung about it's narrowed down me what what am i going to do But could it be that, no joke, that's God channeling your life to look at him and see him as the only answer? Even John on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he said, I saw him. His hair was as white as wool, his eyes as a flame of fire, his feet as brass refined in a refiner's fire. And and he says, And I fell at his feet as dead. Many people talk about seeing God. (laughs) If you ever get a glimpse of the holiness of God, there's only one place that you have fitting to go, and that is down before him. And he fell at his feet as dead. But then John felt something on his shoulder. The Bible says that the hand of God touched him on his shoulder. And he said, John, get up. Don't be afraid. He said, I am the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He said, and I have within my hands the keys to death and hell. And and he's not going to lose them keys. Anybody that you have in your life that went by way of the grave that was a Christian saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, they're better now than they ever have been. I can't help stressing that enough. That they are completely free. And I'm sure that if they could give us some kind of Return back this way they would say if you could see what I could see you'd live a lot different than you live now but I think God's given us enough <laughs> sometime this week most likely I will go to my cousin's funeral just the other night Around 10 o'clock, Memphis, Tennessee. Cousin of mine that's in my generation about the closest to me outside of my brother growing up. Fought with battling with cancer issues and stuff, and then find his kidneys took a beating ten years ago, got a kidney transplant. It's less than a year (laughs) between us. We used to joke around all the time on birthdays. Matter of fact, I'd text him on his birthday. This year, I would always joke. You caught up with me, and then I'd leap ahead, and he'd catch up with me. We were the two oldest grandkids in that part of the family. Six years down to the next ones, my brother and his brother, real close to the same age. Four years around four years ago, I think it was helped uh, officiate his brother's funeral. Cancer took his life at a young age. <clears throat> so I just say all that to say I understand that this life hurts, but I text his sister. They're only the only sibling left. My aunt and uncle, Jim and Carolyn Edie. They uh, had two boys, Brian and Jamie and Ashley. Brian's gone on to be with the Lord now. Jamie's gone on to be with the Lord. And Ashley lives in Jacksonville, Florida. Susie and Jamie lived in Memphis, Tennessee, but home is in Andrew, South Carolina, right on the side of the Black River. Spent many, many, many times with Jamie there on the Black River. If I remember correctly... They used to ski a lot, but we took a skateboard one time, took the wheels off of it, put a fin off of a ski on it. I couldn't ski. I I, barely, I mean, I was lucky to swim, you know. And, but he wanted to ski on that thing. They'd ski on boat paddles, barefooted and all that stuff. I'm driving a, driving a boat, pulling him. And I ain't got no more business driving a boat back then than I had driving a car now. But I slung him. A little too hard. There were some girls on a dock laying out, out there, and he wanted to spray them, and I slung him a little too hard. He hit the dock, went across the top of him. <laughs> we had some good times. <laughs> we had some good times. And uh, But I texted his sister. She was on her way from Jacksonville. Susie and them are on their way from Memphis, and they're all yesterday, last night they were supposed to converge down in Andrews. She said, pray for us because it's going to be rough when we all get there. And I said, yeah, I hate that life does not have a pause button or a rewind button. I said, but I'm going to tell you, God has a reunion. He has a plan. And I'm thankful. That I believe my, many of my family members are in that plan. Where are you at in this life? I'll ask you to stand with me. Where are you at in, in the, the, the grand scheme of things? Are you a Christian? And if you are, are you have you died to yourself? you you immersed in the life of Christ, living as if there's nothing in this world that could hold you, but all you want to do is serve the king, and, and you are, in that sense, bulletproof. Are you lost? If you were to die right now, if that was to be the story in your life, that maybe you got cancer, maybe you get in a car wreck, maybe whatever, but you leave out of here because, listen, death is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old. I've seen caskets this long, and I've seen caskets longer. What you going to do when you die? Because there is no second chances no no you know reprieves no begging no barring that's it so the decision that you make now on this side will affect all of eternity so are you saved if you're not is god drawing you to himself today to where you need to repent believe and follow you repent of the fact that you're a sinner separated from god because of your sin nature you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. You believe in his death and his atonement there on that cross, his resurrection, his uh, ascension to the throne. And you follow him now as the Lord of your life, as a disciple. If that's something that you t- do today, please don't leave this place without me knowing it. I would want to rejoice with you. I want to help lead you in the right direction. If you have any questions about that, please come to me. I'll, I'll make sure I'll make time. Um, if somebody has want somebody to pray with them. I like to say, make myself available. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Father, thank you so much, God, for your amazing grace. Lord, thank you for the overwhelming power of the word of God. I thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have today to make, here on this earth, make decisions that will last for eternity. Help us, Lord. Lead us and guide us to make those decisions the way you would have us in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life@crc.com. At